Be Engaged and Inspired podcast. A simple warning, we may drop an F-bomb or other descriptive words just in case you have small children with you or are at work. We know many of you are planning right now from your cubicle. You've been warned. Be Engaged and Inspired podcast is sponsored by Barabort Jewelers in Glastonbury, Connecticut. BarabortJewelers.com And now your hosts, Kia and DJ Sam. Welcome to Be Engaged and Inspired Podcast. This is DJ Sam. And this is Kia. Welcome and Happy New Year. Happy this New is, Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Did you go out and have fun last night? I don't want to talk about it yet. <laughs> I've still got a headache, thank you. This is our year-end review show where we pick four episodes that were exceptional throughout the past 12 months? Yeah, since Almost we, basically 12 yeah, months. Since, basically since, a year. Since we'll be going. And this special episode is brought to you by Barabolt Jewelers, and that's BarabaltJewelers.com. Go online and see uh, their stuff. They're Absolutely located fantastic. in Glastonbury. They're in Glastonbury. Absolutely. Yeah, and they're shop. our sponsor for this show. So we'd like to thank them very much and wish them a happy, happy, new, happy year. new Year. So our first interviewer that we uh, are going to flashback to is someone that we interviewed last year. Yes. Very interesting. Mary Coburn, the officiant. Yes, she's amazing. She's one of my favorites. She's a storyteller of your love. Absolutely. And some of the tips and suggestions she gave us was just fantastic. I agree. Let's so- take a listen. So what were you studying that sort of got you into being an officiant? So what what sort of sparked this whole journey? Right. Well, uh, in 2005, I did my father's funeral. Mm. And um, I realized in the moment of being up there in front of my community and talking about my father and his life, how important good ceremony could be Mm -hmm. in facilitating change for people, whether that was facilitating change into the grief process or whether that was facilitating transition for couples getting married um, or babies, new babies, welcoming them into their community. But the role of ceremony, I realized in that moment how important it could be and they could actually promote healing for people, yeah. wow. and particularly in a memorial or funeral service. So I had that experience and I didn't know <laughs> what to do next. I was in New York City at the time and when I moved to Connecticut, I had the chance to start over and I thought, well, let me just keep my eyes and ears open. I know it has something to do with ceremony. And a good friend of mine sent me an ad that she found in her husband's Toastmaster magazine. (laughs) And it was about the Celebrant Foundation and Institute, which is based in Montclair, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful organization, and it teaches individuals about the nature of ceremony throughout history, and then specializes in different areas of ceremony, um, weddings and uh, or funerals and memorials or family uh, children ceremonies. So I studied for a year and a half with them. Wow, that's a long yeah, time. Yeah, it was a very rigorous educational training. So it's not it like was, you just went down to the town hall and were like, here, no. I'm going to fill out a piece of paper, pay a hundred bucks, right, and boom, exactly. I'm efficient. Which, which is, is what done. you can do. Yes. You can yeah. get online and Ten dollars later, and ten minutes later, you can you can be legal. Yeah, and as long um, as you can read, you're an yeah, efficient. Right. Actually, I don't even right. know you have to read. And as long as you can name. speak. <laughs> <laughs> so it was wonderful. It was really wonderful training. Um, and then I remember doing my first ceremony and feeling that in some way my father had had kind of guided me into this by doing his funeral service. And I actually thought that I would be doing more funerals and memorials until I did my first wedding. And I thought, this uh, is this is, it. This this is, is it. definitely a happier, more of a celebration. But I even think in your ceremonies, you're very mindful, since I've been to a few, since we've done a few weddings together, you're very mindful of what the couple has asked. Absolutely. You're very mindful about the fact that sometimes you may need to have a religious aspect to it, yeah. and yeah. sometimes you may yeah. not. Right. Yeah. Um, you pay attention to what their families have asked for, and I think that is a really important mindfulness no matter what. Absolutely. I mean, there are situations where, you know, typically I will always ask a couple if you have 
um, grandparents who've passed away or loved ones who've passed away if they would like for me to honor them in the mm-hmm. ceremony. But sometimes there's been a recent death in the family, and we have to be really careful about that. Um, you know, sometimes the grief is too raw. Yes. And we do a more general kind of remembrance. So every couple is different and every situation is unique. So that's where having my training, I think, comes in so handy. Well, it's the it's the bedrock, really, mm-hmm. of, of what I do. So after training through the Celebrant Foundation, um, I became an ordained interfaith minister. Okay. And it's important to know, because everybody thinks, oh, well, that means that I have to have a religious ceremony. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, I'm not a religious person. I became an interfaith minister so I could serve people of all backgrounds and beliefs, mm-hmm. so that if it's important that, that um, we honor part of their faith tradition. If they come from two different faith traditions, how do you thoughtfully weave traditions and rituals into the ceremony that's appropriate and that really celebrates them? Um, and their families. And their families. Uh, and, you know, many many people come to me and say, I we grew up, uh, or I grew up in a Catholic family and my partner grew up in a Protestant family. It's not really part of our lives, but it's part of our family's lives, so we would like something lightly woven in. And that's what I usually do. Mm -hmm. People do not come to me for religious ceremonies. They come to me because I've made my reputation in this state by my storytelling. Yes. Yes. And that's really what I focus on. And it's I love the storytelling. And I'll be honest, sometimes I'll nick some of the stuff that you've said within the ceremony and do something later on with the bride and the groom. If it's something that's really poignant, yeah. um, I may mention it, you know, in between a song or something, or play a song and remember you did this. And because very few officiants do what you do. Well, and Sam, that's why you're so good at what you do, because <laughs> I think this is one of the powerful things about working with other wedding professionals who love what they do. This is a team effort. Absolutely. So when we get to pick up on themes that yeah. happen, I, I think that's just beautiful. And that adds to this kind of magic for a it couple. Does. Well, because that story that you've told was sort of their beginning, and then obviously they're getting married. Yes. And then the story continues. So you, Sam, being able to say something like this was, you know, your grandparents' first song or something like that that yep. you've shared, because the grandparents have shared it with you, or the couple has, it just sort of makes it way more meaningful. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes. And part of my training as a celebrant, we we um, we studied the hero's journey. So every every ceremony is essentially a hero's journey. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. And there needs to be a really rich emotional arc that happens in that ceremony so that people feel moved mm-hmm. and they feel more connected to the couple. We are connected by our humanity and our stories, even though our stories may be different. Our humanity is is the connective tissue. So we're going to talk about ceremonies, do's and don'ts. I have my sort of mindset of things that people shouldn't do and should do. And I think nowadays, though, so much has changed. I don't think there's a right way necessarily to walk in or a wrong way to walk in. I do think it's important to pay attention to that family social interaction because families have expanded and we have divorced people and, and things like that. So what one of those things that you say when you're meeting with a couple and they say, you know, my mom is divorced and she's bringing her boyfriend, but my dad is bringing his new wife and and I don't want them near each other. What? How do you sort of talk people through those types of difficult situations? Right. And I always ask those questions. And because I'm always involved in the rehearsal and I always do, even, even though the event manager or the wedding planner, event planner might would be doing this, I typically do it ahead of time and that's the processional and the first row seating so that we can correct any situation which might be uncomfortable like Mm -hmm. putting divorced parents right next to each other if the relationship is strained Mm -hmm. so we talk about that i suggest putting sally between (laughs) them or a grandparent or some kind of buffer person so that the parents are sitting on the front row which i think is important but you have a buffer in between there i don't ever recommend putting a divorced parent on the second row because then they feel like second class citizens it's just one of those things they're looking definite do not do right they're looking at the back of of the head of their divorced wife or husband (laughs) so that's important i really try to find out about 
uh, family dynamics so that we can we can honor people, celebrate people in the in the context of the ceremony, but also deal with any kind of seating issues that might happen. And if something if if you know as a couple that you do have um, strained family relations, it's better to do all of that stuff beforehand oh, and yes. sort of leave it to the professionals where we just say, I'm sorry, your name's on the list. This is how we're going down. That's not the time to figure it out. Right. Where if you have a much more relaxed family situation, sometimes we can go through a rehearsal and come back to the point and say, oh, you know what? I think this would look better. Yeah. Um, I always get to a wedding an hour and a half early so that, that I can yep. deal with anything that needs to be done. I also never like to feel rushed before a wedding ceremony. I need to be 100% present, emotionally present. And um, if I'm rushing, I, I can't be that. I feel I feel stressed about that. That also gives me an opportunity to see how parents are doing and check in with the bride and groom or, or the couple. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of hand-holding. Oh, lots of hand-holding. And one of the things I, I always tell couples when I meet with them is I see myself as their coach mm-hmm. and their advocate and their cheerleader. And one thing that I always ask is how do they feel in front of a crowd? Even though they're surrounded by people who love and support them, many people express anxiety about being up in front of people. The center of attention. Exactly. Some and people love it. Yeah, some people love it. And doing their vows and things like that. And and people will, I'm, I'm thankful that people are honest with me and candid. And if they, they have... They need to be. They, they absolutely need to be. And, and I do really understand the whole nervousness situation. Mm-hmm. And I can really help them through it. I have tips and tools on being emotionally present on your wedding day. Um, and I and I send a little uh, document to them on exercises, breathing exercises, and creative visualization. That's these great. were um, oh, these were tools that I learned when I was in New York. I studied and trained trained as an actor and worked in the theater for a decade before I moved to Connecticut. And some of the most valuable tools I learned, um, which I employ in all of my ceremonies, is uh, is breathing mm-hmm. and being yep. emotionally present and checking in with your body and where are you holding tension and letting that go. So I'm very... And don't lock your knees. Don't lock your <laughs> knees. But on the other hand, don't stand up there and jiggle them back and forth. Yes. Um, yeah. So I... Having done so many weddings, I can, I can, I know what to look for. And so every wedding, I learn something new. And it's, I write that down, you know, I, remember. <laughs> I think you touched on, on two important points. The first one was you arrive early. Mm-hmm. I have on my planning form, if I'm not uh, having an efficient that I know, I tell my clients, make sure your efficient is there 30 minutes At before. Least the actual ceremony because I can't tell you and I, I had to put it on there for a reason because I kept getting so many officiants that would arrive 10 minutes before and then they wanted to do a sound check well I can't do a sound check when all the guests are sitting in there and you, right. want, you I have to check your microphones and stuff right. so I think that's a very important point that you brought out that you arrive so early and you kind of massage the guests I also don't like being a wedding planner and having to find the officiant oh. or have to be able to they're like okay we're ready to go or if we know sometimes the weather doesn't always cooperate and the bride it's like I still want to get married outside and we only have this amount of time before we can all see thanks to GPS this beautiful cloud coming towards us and if I have to go find the officiant and they're not there because everybody else is there that's like the worst feeling in the world and I'm always trying to find the one person who's walking around with a folder Yes, 90% of the time if it's not someone I've worked with before even though I've called and checked in with them sometimes officiants are doing other things and have other full lives it's not their full-time job and they don't come to rehearsal i would say 80 percent of them don't come to rehearsal and they should and they should and i mean i can adjust and, and go through it and figure it out especially if i have a great detailed list but i don't always have that from the officiant so many things that you all have just said touch on the importance of having a professional yes yes officiant yes. um this is what i do and i cannot imagine showing up 10 minutes before a wedding ceremony <laughs> no. uh, unless I had gotten stuck on you know I95 right. but that's why I leave so on wood early yeah <laughs> let's all knock on wood yes. um, but it's so important and and I uh, one thing that I always do and this was uh, we we learned this through the Celebrant Foundation 
you always connect with the other uh, wedding professionals who are associated with the mm-hmm. ceremony. I always touch base with Sam, and even though Sam is, or, and Sam is always organized and know ex- knows exactly what, he what's sends happening. you all of his list yeah. of every single possible I, thing. I always write it down. What's the last thing I'm going to mm-hmm. say? Because uh, you know, in thinking about how many weddings DJs do, it's all different. The mm-hmm. last thing that the officiant says, and how can why should I expect them to remember? So mm-hmm. I write it down um, so that they know what the cue is and they can come in right after the Because kiss. I had weddings where people kiss and then all of a sudden they're saying one last prayer. Right, right. And people... Uh, yeah, and the yeah, ceremony continues. The ceremony right. continues and you don't, you're like, ah, wait, what it's, do I do? It's, uh, it's awkward. It's, it's not good planning. Mm-hmm. That should never happen. I agree. Um, so that's why... We all work so hard ahead of to make it the right. schedule so that we can make sure that it's as seamless as possible. And I think eye contact is so important. important. And I've done, we recently did a wedding. Um, you know, some couples will kind of insist on standing face to face during the entire ceremony. Mm-hmm. I find that awkward because over the years when, when that's happened, I've observed them. They hold hands for a while. It's kind of like London Bridge. They're, mm-hmm. They've got their arms extended. That lasts for about three minutes. Yep. And they're so uncomfortable. So they drop their hands. And then they get tired or feel silly looking at each other. So they look at me. And they turn their head. And then nobody can see anything but the backs of their heads. So I get that. But I do. I, I think I'm pretty successful at Mm -hmm. telling a couple why this situation why this particular setup works well it changes the dynamic really well people suddenly feel like i'm included in this Mm -hmm. i can see them yes so it's a really lovely dynamic it works in the photographers and videographers love it it. as well Well, that's why everybody loves you i can always tell a good officiant you know how because right after you've asked everybody to stand for the processional and then the bride comes down with the, the, one of the couples, and then you're ready to start the ceremony, you actually ask them to sit. Yes, yeah. yes. You know how many officiants forget that, or they're not experienced enough to remember uh-huh. that you have people standing. standing in the back of those types of yeah. weddings, oh, like trying yeah. to lower them, like looks like I'm, I don't know, kneeling down I, to them. And I'm usually trying to contact, get the eye contact of the officiant oh, to right. sit them, oh, and they're, with their head is buried in the book. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, and well, so people feel they're they're being on their best behavior, so they mm-hmm. stand through the whole thing. They'll right. stand, oh. or then you'll start to see some drop yeah. off and yeah. slowly yeah. go. But none of it's even. It's not great for photos. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mary. Once again, just share your website and your phone number. MaryCoburn.com, and my phone number is 860-519-4127. Wow, that was fantastic. Mary Coburn. Yep, you can find her on episode 18, 29, and 41. And she's got amazing things to share, some mishaps, all those different ones. Go go check them out. Absolutely. And we've got to have her back uh, this year. Yes, we are. So the next interviewee that we had was uh, sometime in uh, July or August. And that was Chrissy B. Chrissy Barbold. She's great, sparkly. Knows her jewels. And she knows her bling. Yes. So Chrissy B was in episodes 24, 30, and 40. If you want to go back and listen. If you want to go back and take a listen. And uh, we'll go in and we'll uh, take a listen to some of the things that she had to say. Uh The first thing that we do is we ask a question. Because before we even jump into the ring trying part, there's a few pieces of key information that we need to know to point them in the right direction. So everybody usually comes in with some pictures from Pinterest and they show us pictures on their phone and all of that, which is awesome. We love Pinterest. Um, Yeah, but it's like anything. It's like a wedding. (laughs) You got to try it on, right? Mm -hmm. But we always say if it's a, a guy coming in, you know, with the pictures, for example, it's like, tell me about her, her or him. Uh, right, exactly. Whoever. Tell me about your significant other a little bit. Like, what's what do they do every day? That's right. another question. That's a really good question. So it it's is. not only about the style that we point them towards. It's about how's it actually going to work for what their lifestyle is, too. So yeah. typically... We're always asking a question. We want to learn more about who this piece of jewelry is for. Typically, your first contact, then, is with the... Significant other. The significant other. Typically, but more often, oh. uh, couples shop together together. 
to give each other an idea of what they like. Gotcha. So whoever's the engagement ring is for. I mean, isn't it? everybody wants their dream ring, right? Yes, when they course. get engaged, nobody wants to be like, "Oh, that's not that's not me." <laughs> but thanks, honey. No one will ever see that, and they have a and ring they don't like. No, build a wish list at the very least. Gotcha. It's Tell helpful. someone you love what you like. Yes, it's it's helpful for the significant other too. Yeah, because oh, yeah. You, if you don't know, you know, there's like, like thousands of options. Yes, it's a very different day today. So, so coming into the shop, which sure. sort of makes you guys a little bit different. Should they be setting up an appointment? So walk-ins welcome, appointments mm-hmm. also welcome. But okay. we have a team of stylists um, and designers and trusted advisors. So. You know, can always call ahead and make an appointment, but walk-ins are always welcome at our store. And about how long of, I guess... How, in like, advance. In, well, no, not necessarily no. in advance, but when you cut, walk in, how long should you be expecting to sort of be there? Well, if you are engagement ring or pre-engagement ring shopping or wedding band shopping, probably an hour. Okay. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. It depends on how it goes and what you know <laughs> and, you know... So you have not... a cappuccino at our cappuccino bar first, oh, or a champagne nice. toast. So this I'll is go not to the champagne toast. Okay. <laughs> <This is> not... <laughs> You're not something you can rush into. You have to actually spend some time and think about what you're purchasing. Well, I, I like to say that you get to because like anything else when you're planning your wedding, this is an opportunity to create something memorable. Even shopping for the rings. This yeah. is another opportunity for a story that you're going to share yeah. yes. in your life. And it's something so. that's going to be on you, you know, hopefully for a lifetime. Yeah. And Absolutely. you might be something that you may be passing on to Next future generation. generations, yeah. things like that. So totally. you have to sort of There's... think about all that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And do you find that um, people come in, maybe they've been looking online to purchase? Oh, yes. Always. We always say, tell, we're, we're very open about that. Like, tell us about your research. Because most of the time coming into the store, clients have done their research. So they know a little bit about what they want or they have questions. And then we just say, ask us anything you want. Now, what does, what does a stylist do? So they help you pinpoint what your style is. So if we're talking uh, engagement uh, rings, they're coming in. We're welcoming you. They're asking like a, a question like, like an a, emerald cut or like yeah, a square cut absolutely. or a solitary yep gotcha we we basically train ourselves to help you make the best decision possible just by simply informing you mm-hmm. so now can somebody design their own ring with you yes oh. <laughs> it's, oh, i love that's my most favorite thing is when someone does something custom and we actually set up in our store a new very innovative station called our Be Creative Station right in the store. You can virtually design something right mm-hmm. there in the store with one of us. We can navigate through, throw it on a flat screen. We'll sit at the table. Your idea can come to life at this Be Creative Station that we have set up in our Fantastic. store. Fantastic. Yeah. That is awesome. Yep. And now, if somebody had, let's say, maybe a piece of jewelry that's from like a grandmother or maybe their own mother or something, and they wanted to include that in, I'm assuming that's something you can work with as well. That is the best. Okay, good. See, I just got goosies when you even <laughs> that. That's the best. That's when like the tears happen mm-hmm. and the ideas flow, and we are so in for that. If you have a stone from the sentimental, definitely. Getting engaged is so sentimental in your wedding bands, for sure. When someone comes in for um, either for engagement rings or for wedding bands, do you recommend that they bring extra people with them, like moms? Or no? <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> welcome. <laughs> she just seen the look on her face. If this was TV, yes. that would have been perfect. She just ducked a little bit below the, the microphone in the... I'm sure you see the pros and cons to right. it. Give us the pros and cons. Y- yes. Uh, so, no, the hesitation was only just made me laugh because a few scenarios are going through my mind because we have had the more the merrier come in. We have had families come in and shop together and it is like high vibe energy. Um, it really just depends on the dynamic of the family. And then sometimes <laughs> it can be distracting. So mm-hmm. really just thinking about who you want to invite for this really special shopping experience. I think putting thought into that is really important because it's for you as a couple or, you know, you want to make sure it's perfect for what you want, how you envision the experience going, you know? It's the same thing if you remember when we had Lauren Lauren. from the dress shop. She said, bring the people who are going to make you feel the best and aren't going to question your decisions. It's like surrounding yourself, I think, in general with people that are uplifting, like Mm -hmm. anything in life. 
Yeah, you um, don't want negative people. You know who those people are, yeah. so bring them. And absolutely. this is a positive thing. This is a great, totally. joyous, emotional absolutely. moment. We will create a celebration mm-hmm. in the store. And I'm a, yeah. I can imagine sometimes people don't realize how emotional it's going to be. Right. I think a lot of times it's underestimated, but I, that is the biggest win when I'm sitting there with someone and all of a sudden you strike an emotion and literally their eyes well Wide up. Open. Yep. Do you have tissues everywhere in the shop? We have tissues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when couples are looking and they're looking online and they're starting to think about it, I sort of always say you should go to like an actual physical location so you can try on rings, feel out how heavy they are, like if they fit correctly, mm-hmm. things like this. So when someone's coming into your shop, as you said they can sit down with a stylist and really sort of start to go through options that you know they might have been falling in love with online but things that they weren't thinking about too correct yeah absolutely that's what we're there for come to us with your ideas show us what you think you like and again it's just like shopping for what you're gonna wear on the wedding day you can like everything online i mean how many times have we all online shopped and you get it in the mail and you're like oh no nope this is going back so exactly (laughs) so um anyhow it's the same kind of concept you just never know what feels good or what looks good on and then it's what will work for your lifestyle and so if someone's a nurse for example or you have a a job a different job like i'm going to suggest different rings that you might detail the things you might not be thinking about What do you think about this? Let's achieve everything you want and also have it work for your lifestyle. So these are things that you might not be thinking about Mm -hmm. if you're just, you know, shopping online, but it's a really good place to start. Come in and try some things on and we'll walk you through the process of elimination process. Maybe that will help you. I mean, there's so many ways that you could go, but we're just there to help you make your decision and make sure you're thinking about all these things. So this ring that you're buying is not just going to be perfect for you right now. It's Mm going to be perfect for you for most of the chapters we can anticipate happening in your life. So when they come in and you sit them down, do you just, you know, bring out, you know, 20 rings and say, hey, choose for you, or you actually go through a process? What's that process? So we have a lot of, we carry a lot of collections in our store. So I don't do that because that would be too much. And again, a little overwhelming. So what we do is we ask the questions. We ask the lifestyle questions. What's your vibe as a couple or a person? Or we ask... A lot of very um, important questions for very specific reasons to support the decision that we might be able to help you make and then we go shopping for you if this is what you, you and then we say go take a walk too because if you if anything jumps out while you're in the store we want to pull that out too and we cut we take a tray and we put everything on it that I, that I think you might like for example if it's me helping you or what you think you might like and then we bring it to one of our sections in the store like the styling lounge We'll sit down at the table, get you a cappuccino if you want, or a glass of champagne if you want, or Fiji water if you want, whatever makes you comfortable. And then we start talking and trying. Okay. Very quickly, people realize (laughs) what they like and what they don't like. Gotcha. You know. We all know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But until we help you, if we can actually sit down at a table and go through the process together... You're just not sure. Right. It's like sometimes when you're shopping and somebody like your friend pulls out a dress and you're like, I am never getting into that. But then you try it on because you're humoring them and it looks amazing. You might not know that that's the thing that you wanted until you actually physically see it. Yep. And another tip for when you're doing that and shopping for engagement rings is always, we always pull out coordinating wedding bands because it's really all about the complete look. You're engaged usually, traditionally, for a short period of time and then... You're going to get married and you're going to exchange a band or a or two bands because there's a whole stackable ring trend going on right now. And then, um, you know, you want to fall in love with the complete look. So yes. we make sure we headspace people and not just thinking about right now when you're enjoying this engagement chapter. It's also about loving the complete look you're going to build for yourself. Uh, so one of the things, too, is if somebody's not ready to make that decision that day, isn't it sort of nice that they can come back and meet with the same stylist and yes. not sort of have to start all over? Yes, t- absolutely. We'll start a profile for you. We will exchange some information. We'll come up with a period of time. We'll agree or say, hey, is it cool if I reach out to you in a week or whichever and then get your permission to work together going forward i mean we'll never do anything without anyone's permission is, so is we the, want everyone to feel so comfortable is the this process. the time that you ask for a budget or that's not uh, brought to the table yet anytime 
budget can be talked about anytime because we always want to be respectful of budget and it's a common misconception we find at our store that we're unaffordable. Can I allow? <laughs> yes, you of course. But but it's been something that we've constantly um, been trying to get out there that mm-hmm. there is we can come up with a ring for everyone. Yes, for everyone, no matter your your budget. I mean, we will come up with something. And you have options because you important. know the options. I do. We do, and it's really important to be open about that. Um, once you feel like you are comfortable and you can trust someone, people are more open with their budget once you mm-hmm. make Absolutely. them feel comfortable. So, and then we can do our job better. Share with all of our listeners where you're located. We are located at 81 Rankin Road in Glastonbury, Connecticut. And then what's your website? Bearaboutjewelers.com. You're going to spell it again. B-A-R-I-B-A-U-L-T, jewelers with an S, dot com. And you've been in business for 70 years, which yes. is incredibly... Impressive. Yep. You're not just Thank a fly by the night type of no, mall jewelry store. No, have a family legacy happening, and I'm third generation, so it's it's crazy to think about, but also really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank congratulations you. absolutely Thank to you. you and your family. And then they can also find you on Instagram and Facebook under those as well. Yes, and we Twitter. live on Instagram, Instagram and Facebook. Visit our Bear About Jewelers pages. They can share their own ring pictures there. Yes. Check out our Bear About moments of couples that have... <laughs> Sam was just modeling. Already, we'll give tips. We'll do custom designs. All kinds of crazy ideas are floating around and on our Instagram and Facebook. So yeah, awesome. come see us there. Be engaged and inspired. We'll be right back. Meadowbrook Estates is located in the quaint town of Marlboro, Connecticut. This unexpected engaged Connecticut venue has an indoor estate package and coming this spring, a gated estate wedding package for up to 150 guests. We are also one of the few locations that offers lodging for up to 30 guests. Contact us for a tour at engagedct.com. Live musicians, custom lighting, and photo booth. When your wedding entertainment has to have the amazing music be fun, organized, and unforgettable, your choice has to be Atmosphere Productions. Experience the difference. www.atmosphere-productions.com. That's www.atmosphere-productions.com. DJs, live musicians, custom lighting, and photo booth. Happy holidays, everyone, from all of us at Barabalt Jewelers. We're so excited to be a part of your gift-giving experience this season, and we want to celebrate with you. We are hosting four amazing events from now to the end of the year. We want to do up the end of 2019 right and celebrate 2020. So please join us on social media, join our Facebook and Instagram community to see when these events are happening. We have a Takori event happening in our store soon. We have an estate and vintage jewelry event. We have a wish list making night and then our wishlist shopping event where your loved ones can come and buy what you put on your wish list. so come party with us come let us celebrate with you please join us on facebook and instagram to see what we are up to and when these events are happening and from my family and team to yours happy holiday season and we can't wait to see you soon guess what time it is sam hey it's the most wonderful time of the year Okay, I think it's the holiday season. Ah, bah, humbug. Is that why I'm so grumpy all the time? Grumpy or cheery, I'm not sure which one, but whichever, we want to take this time to wish everyone a happy holidays. Especially to our listeners who continue to support our little podcast here. Yes. We'd also like to thank our sponsors for continuing to be the foundation of what we do each and every week. No matter how you celebrate, we want you to celebrate like a pro. Yes, and best wishes for a happy new year. We want it to be filled with health, happiness, and spectacular success with awesome new episodes of the Be Engaged and Inspired podcast. Happy Holidays! Floral Design by Melissa has been working with florals for over 20 years, and I'm Melissa. I love weddings and events, and that is all our business does. We serve all of Connecticut and parts of New York. We are looking forward to working with your style, vision, and price point. We understand that each couple has different style, and we can't wait to learn yours. Find us at floraldesignedbymelissa.com or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Engage Connecticut offers couples the opportunity to work with experienced wedding planners, one-of-a-kind wedding venues, along with design and wedding rentals. We plan real weddings for real couples. Located in West Hartford, serving all of New England, look for us on Facebook and Instagram under EngageCT and at www.engagedct.com. The Engaged and Inspired podcast is sponsored by Barabort Jewelers in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Barabortjewelers.com. And now your hosts, Kia 
and DJ Sam. Welcome back to our special year-end review of special guests that we've had on the show over the last uh, past year. It's New Year's Day, so we figured we'd do something a little special for you. Just a little special. So this episode is brought to you by Barable Jewelers. Yes, and here we're going to talk to our father of the bride, Al. Mashioki. Yes, and his episode was 22, so if you want to go back and listen to more of it, you can. But lots of tips, things that people don't think about from the father of the bride's perspective. Exactly, and we don't usually hear from the perspective of the father of the bride, so we thought, let's have Al on. That works. Thank you for joining us. So I think we should obviously let people know you have two daughters. I have two daughters. And you have survived. And I have survived. <laughs> two, two weddings. Two weddings, yes. <laughs> Al is a father. In fact, we met through music. That's we, right. We like the same sort of uh, soul music. And it, we just met for coffee and uh, whatever. And then from then it expanded into, uh, hey, Sam, can you do the wedding of my, my daughter? That's right. So we have a father of the bride here. To kind of explain what happens, what your experience was when you were planning your two daughters' weddings. Now, two of them were very different, so we're going to kind of get into some detail. So now one was five years ago. Right. They're coming up in August on their fifth anniversary. And the Kate other and one? John. Yes. Oh, and when was the other one? This past October. Okay. Rebecca and Dean. So you're fresh and you're, you yes. know what happened. <laughs> Did uh, the groom ask your hand, like your permission for their daughter's hand? Yes. Yes, uh, both times it was it was, uh, and both times you know as soon as the uh, as soon as my son-in-law showed up and said, "Oh, I want to talk to you for a minute," I knew what it <laughs> you, was. You knew it was coming. And then and then so one one piece of advice is decide now whether you're going to let them dangle or <laughs> or just let them off the hook immediately. And both times I said. You have my permission before they even start. Ah, such a great day. That was very nice of you. But now, did you have to keep that secret for a little while? No, I didn't. If any uh, prospective suitors want to <laughs> want my want a, an advice or tip, and this is something I'd never heard about until my first son-in-law, but he wanted everybody to be there when he proposed. Oh, that's sweet. Photographer. It also as happened well? with the second one because of the experience with the first one, and it was wonderful. Was we there a photographer? No, no. Not, except for our phones. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, we couldn't, yeah, we couldn't uh, get that elaborate, but, you know, we were able to have a cake and champagne chilled Excellent. and everybody saw I've seen that happen where they propose and then everybody sort of walks into another room or they go to a restaurant where everybody's waiting for them, mm-hmm. which is a nice type of thing to have happen. Yeah. So now, was your wife very involved in the wedding planning with your daughters? My wife was, was very involved in both, especially the more recent one, because at that point she had retired uh, a couple months before the wedding. So she went from obsessing about work to <laughs> obsessing <laughs> about the wedding. It was a nice transition. And uh, she was very involved in that. In the first one involved uh, my daughter and her husband mm-hmm. and, and my wife and uh, my son-in-law's mother. Okay. All very detail-oriented. So it, it was great. And my wife always says, that uh, my daughter's son-in-law was perfect because she loved doing the details that uh, my wife didn't like to do. So she immediately had, it was her second, her daughter had gotten married. She immediately had a a questionnaire, (laughs) eight pages long on questions for the reception halls Mm -hmm. to ask them and find out about. And she set up within a week meetings at, six plate they lived in baltimore and were getting married here in hartford and she had set up all the meetings so all the details that my wife wouldn't have wanted to do so that was about as well planned a wedding as you can have you had four detail types the second one it was it was my daughter and my wife and i guess they had the detail of four people because they they took care of stuff (laughs) endlessly and now what was your sort of role in that planning process my role was very minimal i said to both my daughters that you know you can do whatever you want it's fine with me i and just please don't ask my opinion about anything because i know you won't listen to it (laughs) in the preparation station i remember you were telling me something about the seating arrangements for um right well that was one place where i where i offered advice unsolicited and and then it was accepted but my this is one of the obsessive details or i i thought it was obsessive i didn't understand it my the the seating chart this is for the recent wedding just got revised over and over and over 
and somebody wasn't coming, so that involved changing. Somebody was coming, so that involved changes. These people shouldn't be seated next to each <laughs> other. And every time it got, and you know, and my wife had the spreadsheets and the templates and everything. And I, my first suggestion wasn't heated, which was, why don't you just let people sit where they want? <laughs> okay, yeah, I would absolutely that, say no. Yeah. You would say no to I them? would say yeah, no. Yeah, no. It's yeah. because you get the cafeteria effect. What yeah. happens is nobody, everybody ends up at one table or two tables, and then you have the lonely person who's sitting by themselves. Well, that was the, that was the response I got. So. Okay, well, good. Smart so women. that worked out. But then we were at the venue the, a week or so before to do a last minute checklist or something. It's called a details meeting. But anyways, Thank continue. You. We were at a details <laughs> meeting. Thank you, Gia. And so I, that's where I first learned where I was going to be seated, mm-hmm. and it was up towards the front of the hall where the band was going to be. And I said, that's terrible. I don't really want to sit here. And it was like, why? Why don't you? It's right by the band. I said, that's why I don't want to sit here. It's going to be, who, who else is in these seats? And it's like, oh, that's where Rebecca and Dean are and the wedding party and, you know, Dean's folks and this and that. I said, so we're all going to be where it's noisy and we can't hear. Uh, like, oh, well, where would you like to be? I said, well, put me in the, you know, put me further back where that won't be the case. And there was a dawning and, and, and my wife and daughter looked at each other and agreed that, oh, that makes sense. So that involved a total reshuffling of the seating <laughs> chart. But. Well, sometimes people put family members right there so that you can see all of the dancing and that's sort of the theory Right, but right. they don't realize that the sound systems have got to be somewhere and they're going to be loud. Mm-hmm. And typically, those are the people who will sit at their seats the most, family members who may not be getting up to dance, um, and they do actually want to have an opportunity to speak to each other about mm-hmm. what they're wa- well, witnessing. Well, I, I wasn't all the way in the back. We were on the side, <laughs> so we were close enough, but uh, but it wasn't quite so loud. So one of, one of the tasks I did get, because my daughter uh, knows... I'm the shopper in the family, was a list of things for the baskets to go into the restroom. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you have to be kidding. But you didn't All understand the reasoning behind it. No, well, I did in theory, but it was, you know, we don't have this many things in our Your regular bathroom. Chest, our <laughs> right. bathroom. And it was also pretty funny because our reception place, this is one where I was, you know, uh, advice was asked and I gave my opinion and I was overruled but the reception was literally you know uh, uh, two blocks away from the main hotel that people were at and the you know there were three hotels the furthest was a quarter of a mile away but we they were looking into getting a shuttle bus to bring people back and forth and it ended up not being a shuttle bus because they couldn't find one that would go to the places, whatever. So they, there was some arrangement with Uber or Lyft to a number to call. Yep. And we had to, and I thought, wow, this is crazy. And they wanted a thousand dollar, you know, hold on the credit Retainer. card. Yes. So there was, there, there was that aspect. And then in this basket for the restrooms were Tylenol, aspirins. And whatever. And I said, so let me get this straight. We're going to provide the alcohol that they can get drunk on. And then we have to provide the transportation <laughs> because they might be too drunk to drive. Yes. And in the meantime, we're going to also give them the Advil in case they get a headache from drinking. But uh, so I was overruled on, on all of that. And it turned out, you know, a thousand dollars. I think we Spent forty. I mean, literally, it was next to nothing. So, uh, but that was one of these things that I would never have thought about. Any, so now, any of those things. As the father, did you wear a suit? Did you wear a tux? What did I you? I wore a tux. I uh, real bow tie or not a real bow tie? Real bow tie. Real bow tie. Uh-huh. I had the pictures to prove it. I had to have some help tying it from okay. my That's... son. But I always thought it was it would be the coolest thing to have your own tux and i never had my own tux and i never had a really a reason to have it you know outside of when i got married in a rental or something or or a prom a long time ago and before my oldest daughter got married about a year before i had i had lost 40 pounds and so i finally looked like somebody who could wear a tux also <laughs> and so when they were planning that wedding. My son-in-law was not going to have a tuxedo. He was going to be in a suit. All the groomsmen were going to were going to be in suits. And I said, 
you can do, I don't think that makes any sense, but you can do what you want. But I'm telling you right now, this is my excuse to finally own <laughs> my own tuxedo. And I'm going to do it. So, yes. So I went and got a tuxedo, you know, and to me, that was all, you know, having your tuxedo, that was all wrapped up in, you know, Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack and looking, <laughs> looking like that. And so I was happy. So then when the second wedding came, I had my tux and. Uh, the first wedding, I, the groom did decide to have a tux. I yeah, don't know I remember if, John if did. He didn't want to be shown up yeah. by me, but uh, in the Plus, I wedding, do think though, dads can get away with if yeah. if dads want to be in a tux, let them be in a tux. Absolutely. So on wedding day, how long did it actually take you to get ready? <laughs> me personally, you personally, <laughs> with the tux, remember? With it, it, it didn't take me very long at all. <laughs> it took me about all of well, probably five minutes, and then another five with me trying to tie the bow tie <laughs> and then a couple more when i finally gave up and got my son to actually to actually do it but i had uh i had with the first i had acquired somewhere along the way this crazy tuxedo that i that i don't know where a tuxedo jacket that was red and blue paisley <laughs> and when i went up to get dressed when i got the instruction that it was time to get dressed because the photographer was coming I went and got dressed, and then I and I put on this crazy tuxedo jacket, and I screamed from upstairs, and everybody they were getting ready in the living room, and it's like, what's the matter, Dad? What's the matter? And I came down and I said, I didn't look when I picked up the tux. They gave me the wrong tuxedo. Oh, funny! And there was a there was a, a, a nanosecond of terror on my daughter's face before she. Oh, wait a minute, that's Dad. There's something going on. But that didn't take that didn't. But I, you know, it was a very Plain, you know, straight black tuxedo, regular. Well, I think people don't, sometimes I, as a wedding planner, have to hunt dads down because dads don't take that long to get dressed. And they might wander to go have a drink or they might get stuck in a conversation with somebody who they saw at the hotel. And next thing you know, they're like on the porch having coffee or whatever. And so I'm always having to hunt dads down because they're like, well, it's only going to take me 10 minutes to get ready. Well, and the first the first wedding was that they got ready at our house. So that was that that made everything simpler than than being in a hotel. I was a little surprised that how. When I got the request that it was time to get dressed, I said, wait a minute, the wedding's not for uh, yeah. whatever it was, <laughs> four hours or five hours. Uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't prepared photos. for that on the first wedding. The second wedding, actually the second wedding, I was anxious to get, get, moving. get dressed and get going. And looks, you do have busy. to get ready early because you are taking photos. You're getting some of that stuff right. out of the way. It does make it easier. Now, did you drive with your daughters to wherever they were getting married, to their ceremony site, or did you just meet them there? Uh, like we, in the car with them, you know, like some dads will get in a. Yeah, no, we did go together. Certainly to the first wedding, the second we must have for the second wedding because we were in the hotel. So you yes, guys, were you nervous? No, I wasn't. I was not nervous at all. Um, it helped that you know both girls had had dated their fiancés for a number of years, and we love both of them beforehand do you love them so, equally no i'm kidding you don't have to answer that i don't mean my daughters <laughs> you mean the daughters or the son-in-laws uh, well we'll we'll edit out the answers <laughs> and uh so there i wasn't nervous about any of that stuff i felt it helped that i didn't have a whole lot to do I mean, uh, well you do I, have I, to still walk them down the I, aisle i Yes, I did. And that was, I looked forward to that. And, you know, and they never looked more beautiful in their lives. Of course. And, and, and we get to be the center of attention. And as long as I didn't trip, it was fun. <laughs> or trip them. <laughs> or trip them. And other than that, it was the toast. And I had worked very hard on that and long and practiced it over and over so that I wouldn't have to have papers and everything. And that was that, you know. And I'm not I'm not generally nervous in a situation like that speaking. So it turned out to be uh, fine. I didn't really have anything else to worry about. The first dance, the other responsibility. I love to dance. And in that situation, dancing at that occasion with my girls, great. it was wonderful. Now looking back that you've lived through this twice, I'm assuming the day goes significantly faster than you think it would. Yes. And I'm sure that you wish that you would like had a little extra time to eat all the food that you paid for (laughs) (laughs) and a little bit more time to talk to all the people who were there. But what are some of these tips that you would share, like that you mostly enjoyed at the wedding or things you wish you would have done now that you've lived through it? 
It's interesting you say that because with the the weddings were four years apart, and my younger daughter wanted things to be different because yep. she didn't want to be copying her, her sister, sister. Understandable. As much as they are best friends and everything, and and uh, but they. It also gave her the advantage of having seen the things that could be done differently. And one of the things which I had said, really, do we need to do that, was <laughs> that it all went by so quickly and could, you know, so they wanted to have it an hour, you know, like an hour longer on the reception side and a half hour longer on the cocktail side, which all, you know, which was uh, more expensive also. You know, and my initial reaction was, you know, you know, people leave by 10 o'clock. We're <laughs> going to go to 11 or 1130 or whatever it is. And, you know, and it just sort of steamrolls and snowballs. And then, you know, well, we need the band there longer and this and that. But that all turned out to be wonderful because it does go by so quickly. And yep. there isn't time to, to talk to people. Uh, I mean, especially for the bride and groom, mm-hmm. you know, because they've got a lot of responsibilities during it. Yes. So walking around and chatting with people, there there isn't enough time. So that, you know, if, if you have the wherewithal, that's a wonderful thing to do. And it did make the, the, the second wedding a little easier in that respect for, for them and for me. You know. And the first, uh, Kate's, you had in a banquet facility. I don't mind saying society room in Hartford. Right. And the second one, it wasn't in a, a formal banquet facility. No, it was in a, I, I forget the name of the place, but it was a hall in Worcester that's an old pre-Civil War music hall. Yep. In a very cool. room, that, and it was uh, very cool looking in a balcony in the, I'm, I'm sure then the band sounded really was, good oh, and being man, that oh, it was yes. in a music hall. <laughs> yeah, the band was, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. That it was very like smart that, of you. Right. And again, that was a place, I think, for Rebecca to be different. different. Yep. That worked out extremely well because we could we had to provide the caterer as opposed to it coming. And right, so you had that experience. More, more flexibility and more choice mm-hmm. yep. in that. You know, choice to me is great. Some people might like not having as as many options because then there are fewer decisions to make. Some people but, get overwhelmed, but... Right. No, I do. Some fantastic tips and suggestions from an FOB. Yes, an FOB. The, the father, father of the bride. bride. <laughs> so next up is my dear friend, Lauren. Yes. And she is full of so much wisdom from Julie Allen Bridles. You can find Lauren's episodes 15, 25, and 33. Go back, listen. She's just full of advice. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi, good. How about you? Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Our pleasure. So your shop is located where? We are in Newtown, Connecticut. We are celebrating 50 years of, uh, we are family owned bridal shops. So I am third generation in my family's business. I have literally been doing this since I was born. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And now your grandmother's the one who started it. Yes. Yep. My grandma started it in the basement of her house in 1970. Wow. And she had a lot of retail experience and she wanted to grow some roots in a community. So she started her own bridal shop in the early 90s. My mom bought the shop off of her and we opened up a brand new location Uh, We're located on South Main Street in Newtown. We are 7,200 square feet. We have over 300 wedding dresses to choose from. There's a lot. Uh Uh-huh. And (laughs) a lot of bridesmaids and moms. So definitely a ton of options there. And you have accessories too. (laughs) Yeah, accessories. And how many changing rooms? Because I've been there. I think you have like 10 or 12 changing rooms. 10 fitting rooms. 10 fitting rooms, yeah. So when you're having people come into the shop, how many people do you advise come dress shopping with the bride? We recommend that the bride brings couple people not too many so a mom maid of honor sisters mother-in-law sometimes a mother-in-law that (laughs) one can get a little bit tricky i've I've seen some interesting mother-in-law appointments if you're close with your mother-in-law bring your mother-in-law you should always bring anybody who's close exactly yes uh sometimes people like to bring their grandmas that's sweet um they have any close cousins really good friends but really we advise trying not to bring more than three or four people because that's too many cooks in the kitchen exactly and obviously no men are in Invited to this little shindig. We've 
had some dads come, which is kind really? of cute. Yeah, the yeah. dads Sweet. are there and they're supportive and it's really nice to see them. So they get a little bored. <laughs> <laughs> On Saturdays, we have coffee and donuts in the store. So usually any men in the store can be fine. found lingering near the coffee table and the donuts. Very understandable. <laughs> really, the bride is bringing you there for your support. Not for your opinions. Mm -hmm. And what looks good on one person may not look good on a different person. Exactly. And And dresses are different. So you just never know what what you're going to look like in a wedding dress. Exactly. And what you may love on yourself, you may not, you know, may not be the bride's dress. Mm -hmm. So you really need to bring people who are going to be there for you and supportive of you and just not try to break your sunshine. (laughs) This is very much like say yes to the dress then. Yes. Yeah. I think that the show's a little bit over dramatic compared to the real experience, but yeah, it's very similar to that. How long is a, a bridal meeting usually? Usually about an hour and a half. Sometimes if they find the perfect dress can be a little shorter, uh, but we never cut anyone off from their appointment times. So I think my longest running appointment was about four hours. Oh my God. Yeah, that was a pretty intense one. Uh, <laughs> but we we do tend to go hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And you always have somebody in the dressing room helping them get in and out of those dresses because they're a little complicated sometimes. Yes. Yep. We always have someone in the room helping the bride get in and out of the dresses because some of those skirts are so big, you don't know where up is. Yeah. So I always say, <laughs> put your arm together and dive in like you're going into a swimming pool and we hold the dress up and they just dive into the dress and that's how they best can get some dresses you go in from the top and some of them you go in from the bottom right yeah yeah some of the really skinny like mermaid fit dresses those are best to step into Mm because you can kind of shame them over the hips but usually with the ball gowns once you try to sit it on the floor it kind of stands up on its own (laughs) so you kind of just need to like dive into the dress and that's how you get in so recently i had the pleasure of attending the bridal market with you in new york city Mm -hmm. and i learned something that i didn't know is that every single dress that um is purchased for your shop first of all it's you guys are purchasing that dress. It's not being loaned to you by the designers. Yes. You have to physically decide what gets uh, purchased and put into the store. Mm-hmm. And then when a bride actually orders a dress, it's it's being made for them. Yes, exactly. So we go to bridal market. We check out the dresses. We kind of take into mind what has been trending at the store, what people are looking for. What they've been asking for. Exactly what they've been asking for, what the best sizes to order the dress are in. And then we... We buy the samples in the store. So every sample is not something like the designer just gives us. They are purchased for the store. And then when someone finds the dress that they love, we'll order it for them in their size and color. Mm -hmm. So that's why we really recommend that people shop for their wedding dresses, usually about nine to 12 months before the wedding. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, We can do shorter delivery times if that kind of thing happens. A lot of times the manufacturers will have stock on certain styles, especially bestseller styles. So we can work within tighter timeframes, but to ideally have your full selection of any wedding dress in the store, you definitely want to shop in that nine to 12 month before range. Trunk shows, they do bring in a whole bunch of dresses that you don't typically have in the store. Yes, exactly. Trunk show is when we get dresses in the store that we don't normally have. It's a way to preview the designers, either best sellers or all the brand new dresses that are coming for the next season. We usually get about 20 to 30 dresses in for each trunk show. And it's a great way to see dresses that aren't part of the inventory if you're looking for something a little bit different or outside the box and it's not really something that we have in the store a trunk show is definitely the time to go and that's the thing is alterations too take a little bit of time so that's why you have that like nine to twelve month period because you Mm -hmm. clearly have to start that process and alterations usually it's like what two meetings three meetings it's usually about two or three fittings we like to do The first alteration, probably about eight to 12 weeks before the wedding. So that was when the seamstress can meet with the bride, get all the major work done. You do need to have your exact shoes that you're wearing with the dress when you come for a fitting because the hem is going to be done. And if you change your shoes afterwards, your length might be a little too long, a little too short. So you need to have the shoes. Uh, All the major work will be done. The second fitting is usually done about six weeks before the wedding. That's to just try it on one last time, make sure everything came out perfect. If there's any minor tweaking that needs to be accomplished, they can do it at that time. And then usually final fitting is usually anywhere from two to four weeks before the wedding. Just try it on one last time, make sure it's perfect. And then we send it down. It gets pressed, hung up, and then pickup is usually the week of the wedding.
Well, that was fantastic information from Lauren. Once again, go back to episode 15, 25, and 33, uh, and you'll hear some more in-depth yes. uh, information uh, from her. So, Happy New Year, Sam. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining me for this year-end review show. It was really appreciated. Thanks for getting out of bed. (laughs) I still got a headache. Yeah, just a little bit. I'll get you back somehow. (laughs) So remember, you can always subscribe and download us for free off of iTunes and Google Play. And we will be back this year every single Wednesday. Yes, we will. (laughs) Don't say it as if it's punishment. (laughs) And obviously, we hope that you come back and listen. And if you have any questions or any topic that you'd like us to cover this year, by all means, send us an email to engagect at gmail.com. The Engaged and Inspired podcast is sponsored by Barabort Jewelers in Glastonbury, Connecticut. BarabortJewelers.com. Produced and copyrighted by Atmosphere Productions in association with Engage Connecticut. Engage Connecticut.